and welcome to Biblical Tapestry Podcast Season 4, Episode 5, A Study in 1 Peter. Biblical Tapestry is a podcast where we explore how the Bible is its own commentary and how the Gospel is thoroughly woven from Genesis to Revelation. Today we continue into 1 Peter Chapter 2. Peter is explaining to us the living stone and who else are living stones and what does it mean to be a living stone and how is the Christian life both a battle and a witness. All right, let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 4. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God and chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, for it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they are destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Back to verses 4 and 5. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. As we come to Christ, Peter explains that Christ is the living stone. He is living because of his resurrection, and he's the cornerstone of our faith. Peter pulls some additional Old Testament support for these verses. The first one is found in Psalms 118, verse 19. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord, the righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. And here's it, verse 22, The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. A stone that the builders rejected has become a cornerstone for the foundation of a faith in Christ Jesus. Peter also used this verse referring to Christ's death and resurrection while being questioned by Caiaphas by what power or name that Peter was able to heal a lame man who was lame from birth at the gate of the temple. We find that in Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done by a crippled, to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed? 
Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, whom or which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The religious leaders despised Jesus, and that led to conspiring to have him crucified by the Romans. The stone the builders rejected. God makes Christ Jesus the cornerstone by resurrecting him from the dead. He becomes the cornerstone of all faith. Jesus himself used the same passage out of Psalms 118. We find that in Matthew chapter 21, verse 33. Here another parable. There was a master of a house who planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a winepress in it and built a tower and leased it to tenants and went into another country. When the season for fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to get his fruit. And the tenants looked or took his servants and beat one. They killed another and stoned another. Again he sent other servants, more than the first, and they did the same to them. Finally he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and have his inheritance. And they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. When therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to these tenants? They said to him, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the fruits of their seasons. And Jesus said to them, Have you ever read in Scripture the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. And the one who falls on this stone will be broken into pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they perceived that he was speaking about them. And although they were seeking to rest him, they feared the crowds because they held him to be a prophet. Well, the killing of Jesus was not the last word. God made Jesus the chosen and honored stone, the foundation of faith in God. Just as Christ had said, Peter's audience were being persecuted for their faith. But in God's eyes, they were also chosen people and honored, and they would be vindicated. Verse 5 says, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now Peter moves from Christ the living stone to believers as living stones. What makes a believer a living stone? Well, believers are living stones because of their faith in the resurrected Jesus. Christ's resurrection becomes a present and future reality for all believers, regardless of the hostile world we live in. These living stones become a spiritual house. The Greek term for house is oikos. No, no, not like the yogurt. <laughs> well, just like the yogurt, actually. But the Greek term here for house alludes to a temple, which is commonly called a house in the New Testament. 
In Matthew 21, 12, And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all those who sold and bought in the temple, and he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. Thomas Schreiner writes, The house is spiritual, which is in Greek is pneumaticos, because it is animated and indwelt by the Holy Spirit. The church is now God's new temple. As spiritual living stones, the church is made up of these living stone believers. This living stone temple is the host of a living, holy priesthood. Believers here are both priests and the temple. All believers have a direct access to God now because Christ fulfilled that holy priesthood. The purpose of this holy priesthood is to offer spiritual sacrifices. A spiritual sacrifice is an act of service in obedience to God. Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I appeal you, therefore, I appeal you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what his what is good and acceptable and perfect. Verse 6 says, For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. This quote is Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16, and in Isaiah 28 is a message of judgment that was written to Ephraim because of their disobedience and unbelief. Isaiah was telling the Israelites that those who trust in the Lord will escape this judgment. We see that in Isaiah 28:16 says therefore thus says the Lord God behold I am the one who has laid as a foundation in Zion a stone a tested stone a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation whoever believes will not be in haste. Well the text is a little different but Peter sees this fulfillment in Isaiah in what Christ has done. Verse 7 says so the honor is for you who believe but for those who do not believe the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. So if Christ is the cornerstone of faith, then rejecting that understanding rejects Christ. Those who trust in God will be honored on the last day, again vindicated. Those who disbelieve in Christ will face judgment. They will trip over the cornerstone, the very foundation being Jesus Christ. Verse 8 says, And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. Again, those who disbelieve stumble over Christ and are responsible for their refusal to trust in God. This quote is from Isaiah chapter 8, where Israel and Judah were called to fear and trust the Lord rather than other nations. We see in Isaiah 8, 13-15, But the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy, let him be your fear, let him be your dread, and he will become a sanctuary and a stone of offense, and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel, a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and many shall stumble on it, they shall fall and be broken, they shall be, shall be snared and taken. They stumble and fall because they disobey the message. The message here is the gospel. 
They don't want to submit to the Lordship of Christ. All those who disobey will stumble. God knows, it says here, are destined to do. Well, God knows who they will be. However, the human responsibility is to accept who God is, accept who Christ is. Christ indeed died for everyone. It is unfortunate, and it's a reality, that not all will believe in him. Verse 9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Those who accept Christ are a chosen people, both Jews and Gentiles. God's new kingdom of priests consists of the church, those who know Christ as Lord. In Revelation 1, 4, and 6, we see, John to the seven churches that are in Asia grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ the faithful witness the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of kings on earth to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom priest to his God and father to him be glory and dominion forever and ever amen he made us a kingdom priest to his God and Father, a holy nation. And to be holy is to be set apart, set apart to enjoy God's presence and favor, a people for his own possession, a new people of God for the purpose of declaring praises to God, praises to God who called us out of darkness into God's light. Verse 10 says, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy those who call on God are our God's people. Peter is quoting Hosea here, and Paul did so also in Romans, Romans 9:24. Even us whom he has called, not from, from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles, as indeed he says in Hosea, those who were not my people I will call my people, and those and her who is not beloved I will call beloved. And in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they will be called sons of the living God. In Hosea, Israel is renounced as God's people because of their sin. However, God pledges to have mercy on them and form them again as God's people. And going to the source in Hosea chapter 2, verse 21, And in that day I will answer, declares the Lord, I will answer the heavens, and they shall answer the earth. And the earth shall answer the grain and the wine and the oil, and they shall answer Jezreel. And I will sow her for myself in the land, and I will have mercy on no mercy and I'll say to not my people you are my people and he shall say you and they and they shall say you are my God Peter's audience was mostly Gentiles called from darkness into light and did not deserve inclusion as God's people but by the grace of God now they can and they can rejoice that they too have been included as God's own possession Verse 11 says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which, war, which wage war against your soul. Here we begin a new thought about the relationship that Peter's audience had with the world. Notice that the people of God, now in the world, are now sojourners and exiles in the world, essentially having no permanent home on earth. Exiles meaning that they were now in a hostile culture. Peter now commands that they are to abstain from passions of the flesh, which rightly wage war against a born-again soul. 
Believers are not exempt from passions of the flesh. They're not exempt against the destructive nature of indulging in such things. And this is not necessarily sexual passions alone, although that is included, but the sins of the body, including self-destructive behaviors that pull us away from God and His holiness. Sinfulness destroys humanity. That is why we're to be holy, set apart. Verse 12 says, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. How should believers conduct themselves? Well, in a way that an ungodly world can see it and may repent and know Christ as a result. This will bring glory to God. Christ himself said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. In the next episode, we will explore the gospel and the social order. How do we demonstrate a holy life as citizens, workers, and spouses? God bless you today, and I encourage you to spend time in God's Word. Biblical Tapestry is, again, available on Facebook and Instagram. I encourage you to please like and share this podcast if you've gained anything from this study. God bless, and I pray that you're doing well.